Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. Last time I shared with you my experience in the airport between flights, and I really hope that blessed you. It was really wonderful for me to remember and just engage the Lord and just the sheer pleasure of when we love others. We really do love Him as well. Well, anyway, I wanted to share one other experience that I had on the way home from this trip. But before doing so, what I want to share with you is that by the time you hear this, hopefully I really will be Dr. Mark Gordon Fee. (laughs) I had the crazy experience a week ago of having to prepare a syllabus because my sister and I are going to teach my stuff in the seminary, the one that she teaches at the first week of January. And as I prepared the syllabus, I had to put the title of the course, the date, and the times, and then the next thing I had to write was Dr. Mark Gordon Fee and Dr. Cherith Fee Nordling, professors. (laughs) And it was the weirdest moment. And uh, so, yeah, most likely by the time you hear this, I will be maybe a month or two away from graduating. So I'm so grateful to God. But in the process of this whole thing, there's two guys, my main professor and then another one that he recruited have read the chapters over all these months. But at one point, one of the professors sent me his book called Following Jesus, the Servant King, a biblical theology of covenantal discipleship. And he has this beautiful, fascinating, amazing book on covenants. And I started reading it, and then I got overwhelmed with all that I had to do, and I didn't think it was directly related, so I put it aside. Well, when he finished reading the whole thing, he couldn't help but ask me, Mark, how come you didn't include anything from my book and the covenants? Because I thought it would really support your thesis in a wonderful way. And I just explained to him I just didn't have time. Well, anyway, while they've been reading it for the last couple of weeks, I've been reading his book because I really wanted to understand before I have this conversation with him on Monday why he felt like it would be such a great support. And sure enough, I'm almost done with it, and he was absolutely right, and I just want to share this much with you about it, was the fact that what he was hoping I would use, just as the new command, is that we have to be loved first, and then we love as loved— or even 1 John 4.10, this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son as the atoning sacrifice. Well, he walks through the covenants, even Adam and Eve are sort of a covenant, but the covenant with Noah, the covenant with Abraham, with Moses, with David, and then finally the new covenant. And what he walks through all of these covenants in a really marvelous way is showing that there is this identical pattern, like the new command, where the Israelites would experience grace, amazing, amazing grace, great grace, where he defines grace like this. He says, by grace, I am referring to God's faithful, loving kindness that is repeatedly expressed in his actions of blessing provision, and restoration throughout the Old Testament narrative. God's grace is always understood to be these three things, sovereignly initiated by him, unmerited, and grounded in his compassionate disposition. Sovereignly initiated, unmerited, you can't earn or deserve it, grounded in his compassionate disposition, and then comes out as faithful, loving kindness 
actions of blessing, provision, and restoration. And I thought, oh my gosh, he couldn't be more right on. That's exactly it. It's because God so loved us that we weren't loving him, but that he loved us and that Jesus initiates this love for us. And even going to the cross, it's it's his will, it's his desire. He's doing this out of love for us. Well, then he says, though, that the second part, though, is in response to God's grace, people should walk in his ways, namely love, because all of his ways are, in fact, loving. They are ways that I've said so many times that even in the New Testament, the commands of Jesus are how to love God, how to love your neighbor, your enemy, and even Jesus, or the things that would not love God, not love your neighbor, enemy, or Jesus. So, all of God's will, all of God's ways are ultimately ways in which we love him and love others, and we do this in response to his grace. We do this in response to his love. We do this in response to his compassion, his sovereign initiative, doing this unconditionally, and then it's his loving kindness that comes out in these marvelous ways of provision and blessing and restoration. And then in return, we love him back and we love others and we walk in his ways. So he walks that pattern through all those covenants. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no wonder he wanted me to read this. Because he said, the new command, the pattern of it wasn't necessarily new. What Again, what's so new is that you have to be loved by Jesus himself. But in the Old Testament and through the covenants, the enacting of the covenants by God, is the exact same pattern. Grace first, followed by this response of loving or walking out God's ways, and especially so that we can image God to the world. And that's going to be the next podcast. But it always meant about being like him and loving like him and living in his actions so that all the nations around would see such an incredible contrast to the way that they lived. Well, then I'm reading along in his book, and then I get to this moment where he's talking about the new covenant, and he says, it's one thing to think about grace, remembering its multifaceted expressions in scripture and or in our own lives. But it is another thing to pause in those reflections long enough to receive that grace afresh. And I went, oh my gosh, he gets it. We're not just supposed to think about the love of God, think about his grace, but we need to receive it. Well, then on the next page, he talks about the sinful woman, Peter, Zacchaeus, Thomas, Mary Magdalene, and a host of others are all transformed by their encounters with Jesus because of their reception of his grace. Not thinking about his grace, they experienced his grace. Then he goes on to say, is that stated as the motivation for obedience, the final emphasis lands on what we do in response to his grace. But then he goes, grace doesn't merely motivate. When it is actually received, grace empowers. That is to say, the heart that receives it will not be left in the same hardened and rebellious condition. As such, rather than motivation, we should speak rather of the enablement that grace provides. He says, I believe this is why God promises through Ezekiel that he will move his people to covenant faithfulness through the gift of his spirit. And lastly, listen to this. The answer to the dilemma facing us in the new covenant members in the kingdom 
is to return repeatedly to Jesus the servant for renewing and transforming grace. Hello, listen again. The dilemma of us living like Jesus and walking out in his ways is to return repeatedly to the servant king, Jesus, for renewing and transforming grace. I thought, oh my gosh, then he brought up Brother Lawrence. He says, Brother Lawrence, well known for his transformative teaching, whereby he exhorts people to practice the presence of God. He says, we might therefore rephrase Lawrence's dictum. Rather than merely practicing the presence of God, we must practice experiencing or receiving his grace. Holy cow. No wonder he wanted me to read his book, because <laughs> he totally gets it. I was like, this is so cool. So anyway, back to my flight home. I've got the book in hand as the only thing I carried onto the plane. I go down the aisle and there's a guy standing there. And I've done that many times because I often take the aisle seat where I wait till the other people, the window and middle seat get filled. So he sees me coming and he goes, you sitting here? And I said, yeah, I have the window seat. So he gets out of the way and I come in and I sit down and I've still got my book in my hand, and we're waiting. And he says, I really hope that the middle seat doesn't get full because we're both bigger guys, and it's really nice when they're not sitting there. I said, couldn't agree more. Well, finally, they say they were closing the door, and we both looked at each other, thumbs up, big smile. So I put the book down in the middle seat so I could put my seatbelt on. And while I'm doing that, I look over, and I notice he's looking down at the title of the book. And I see him working, and he finally looks like he could read the whole thing. So he looks at me, and other people saw the book, even on the trip. And I got two flight attendants on the flight down saw the cover of the book and gave me like a big smile and said, good book, I bet. So I was like, well, that was a fun response. But others like, well, what are you reading? And they find out, and they just kind of, oh, that's nice, <laughs> right? But this guy looks at it, and he asks me, so what's it about? So I tried to give this little explanation that I just shared with you, and I'm all excited about it. And, and I don't know this guy from Adam and whether he's a Christian or not. He says, well, why are you reading it? And I said, well, I'm finishing up a doctorate, and I actually was asked to read this book by one of the professors. I didn't get to it, and so I want to get through it before I have a conversation with him. And he's like, okay. So as we're sitting there chatting for a moment, I said, well, so what brought you to Panama City? And he says, well, my wife and I, and he didn't actually say that he was a pastor, so I think he is, but he said, my wife and I were at a leadership conference for the Church of Christ, and people came from all over the world, and it was a big conference and great speakers, and, and at this point, all I've talked about was the book and grace and obedience. This guy says to me, Mark, he says, but it was tough because so many of the speakers kind of were strategy-oriented, and they're thinking that what we really need to get the gospel out more and see more people become Christians and follow the Lord is that we need better strategy. And he's like, I just didn't think that was accurate. It was bugging me. And get this, guys. <laughs> he says, you know, because Jesus said that we're supposed to be known by our love and that we're supposed to love people. <laughs> And I, he says, I think the problem's on our end, that we need to change. And I went, well, now that you mention it, <laughs> I 
I said, that's exactly what my dissertation was on, that yes, there is an enormous problem that Christians are not known by their love. And I'm convinced it's because we don't spend daily time with the Lord coming to be loved by his word and actions in order to love like him. So I got a chance to share a little bit and explain what I do first loved. And at the end of that, he goes, oh, oh man, that's just, that's so cool. That's so awesome. And he says, it's such an answer to prayer because I really was praying on the way to the airport at different points during the thing, like, Lord, I just don't think this is right. I think there's something else. Please show me what it is. And here you tell me this stuff that makes so much sense. You know, it's just awesome. I can't even tell you how fun that was. Like, what are the chances, right? But he's all excited about it. He goes, that was really amazing. So I said, well, you know, he started to do his thing. I started to read the book some more. And I told him, look, if you have any other questions, any thoughts, don't hesitate to interrupt. Well, we both kind of did our thing. I read he was doing some other stuff. But as we're coming down, we have to put your seat up, put the tray away. He looks over at me and he says, "Uh, Mark, he says, what's your last name? I'd like your contact info. So I said, Fee. And he says, fee, fee. You know, I, I read this book by this guy, Gordon Fee, called How to Read, and I finished it. The Bible for all it's worth? He goes, yeah, that's the one. I go, yeah, that's my dad. My name is Mark Gordon Fee. No way! Then I saw him reach over to his wife, who was on the aisle seat on the other side, and he's like, honey, 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 man, this is Mark, this is Gordon Fee's son, man. You know that book we had to read, you know, how to read the Bible, how to read book by book? And so he's all excited, and I'm just, it's making me crack up to see his enthusiasm about this. So I share with him about some of Dad's other books. So that was fun. And then I said, so are you guys going home to Boston? Because maybe we could hook up. And he goes, no, actually, we live in Connecticut. And I said, really? I said, where? He says, Windsor. I go, Windsor? I said, I have a really good friend who pastors a little church there in Windsor. He goes, really? What's it called? I said, the Oasis. Oh, my gosh, the Oasis. I drive by that church all the time. In fact, I was thinking of going and knocking on the door because we need a place to meet for a midweek gathering. And I was going to go because it looks like it's a cute little building and it's right off the highway. And he said, well, I know him. I'll call him for you and I'll get you all hooked up. And he's like, honey, you know, he's all excited about that. Well, finally we land, we stand up. So now I get to meet his wife and we're standing there waiting, you know, as you always do for people to move in front of you. So I looked at her and I said, so how long have you guys lived in Connecticut? And she says, well, I didn't grow up in Connecticut. I grew up in St. Lucia. And I went, no way. I said, Robin and I went for our 25th anniversary to St. Lucia. And she goes, oh, really? Oh, that's so cool. Did you go here, go there? I said, no, we were just at the resort. And But I said, I did learn one thing from you guys. To every one of life's problems and struggles and situations, the thing you say to each other is, no pressure, no problem, man. And she cracked up. She goes, oh, that's so true. Everybody says that. I go, I know. I heard it tons of times. No pressure, no problem. And so we got to giggling and laughing. And so, again, the chances, right? All these little things, St. Lucia, the Oasis, reading my father's book, his desire to go, Lord, there must be something. I mean, talk about the sovereignty of God. And sometimes specifically having moments, I mean, this might have well been a little bit like the Ethiopian eunuch thing, you know, that God plops me down and sets up this whole deal with these guys. So I'm so looking forward to seeing what becomes of that. But anyway, I just wanted to encourage you in that the Lord has these kinds of moments for us from time to time. And 
depending on how you hear Ephesians 2.10, where he says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And the NIV translated it, that we do good works, that he's prepared in advance for us to do. And I'm not so sure that is the best, but a lot of people really believe that, and I did for years, meaning that he's prepared something out there for us. And maybe it's even okay because Jesus said he only did what he saw the Father doing. And I think it's important that we're trying to see, Lord, what are you doing in my life today? And being ready to share and talk and love and whatever. So to just bring closure to this is that one, I just wanted to encourage you by the story that it was just so much fun to share, but also to bring you in on what I've been learning, the fact that the whole pattern of the new command that we love as loved, that he loves us first and we love as loved, is all the way through the Old Testament covenants. And it's always been God's pattern. And so it's just nice to see that that pattern is from cover to cover. Very cool. So anyway, let me just pray for us today. Lord, I pray that, first of all, we just continue to revel in the wonder that being loved first by you and then loving as loved was not new with you, Jesus, alone, but that this has been who you are, God, and how you've dealt with humanity all the way since the very, very beginning. So, Lord, thank you for that understanding. Thank you for my professor. I pray that you would be with me as I have a chance to talk with him and my other professor on Monday and just affirm him and just the wonder of what he wrote. And, Lord, I pray for this guy, Tim. I think it's Tim. Bless Tim and his wife, Lord, Sam. And, Lord, I pray that whatever that looks like in the future, that you would continue this relationship that you started on the plane. And, Lord, I pray for each one listening today that you would just put faith in our hearts again to really believe that whether it's a woman sitting in the airport crying and, or it's here on the airplane, that, Lord, we're just attentive. We're looking, we're watching to see how you would use us and give us the chance to share what you've done in our lives and make friendship and image you to one another. So bless, 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 bless my brothers and sisters who are listening today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So God bless you and have a great day.